0: Welcome to Opening the Door podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Welcome to season two of Opening the Door. Really excited to have you here with me for this season. Obviously, nothing's really going to change. I'm just doing it year to year. So short season for season one since we started in August. And here we are February 1st to start season two. I took a little break, obviously, in January. Thanks for hanging in there. While we had no new episodes, I'm excited to bring this one to you. Today, you'll hear a conversation I had with Logan, the Empowered Mystic. We talk about trauma-informed spirituality specifically, and I love this conversation with Logan and the lens that she looks at spirituality through. I do want to mention that sexual assault is mentioned in this episode, not in any great detail, but we do talk about survivors and things like that. So If that's not something that you're ready to hear about, I wanted to tell you before we get into the episode. Beyond that, we talk about pop music and dispel some regularly used spiritual teachings that just don't sit right with us. This might ruffle your feathers. You might not agree. I invite you to allow yourself to feel ruffled and explore why you feel that way. Enjoy the episode. Today, we're welcoming Logan to Opening the Door podcast. I'm going to have Logan introduce herself here. So Logan, you can go for it.
1: Okay, thank you, Haley. So hello, thank you. Now I'm like being weird because I don't know where to look. Um, (laughs) But uh, so I'm a former social worker, missionary and youth pastor. Um, I graduated in 2016 with a bachelor's in religion and sociology. And I have a really weird obsession with Egyptian mythology and just other cultures in general because I've traveled a lot and I used to want to be an archaeologist growing up (laughs) so never let that die but I also have a certification in trauma sensitive yoga that I got to use alongside my social work and my volunteer missionary work that I was doing at the time working with survivors in the red light district there uh, in Germany and other places I left the church Officially in 2019, after my missionary experiences led me to an extreme spiritual awakening, and slowly I became this wandering mystic that believes a lot of different things than I did a decade ago, or really even five years ago, to be honest. Uh, 2020 certainly forced me into a lot of uncomfortable and gut-wrenching situations. As I'm sure it did everybody else. And in that time of COVID isolation and leaving the church and finding a new spiritual home, I started to notice a strange pattern uh, that these new age and witch and other spiritual communities meant well, but did seem to be perpetuating some unhealthy ideas. So I'm excited to be on this podcast. And thank you for letting me introduce myself. And I'm sorry if that was really long. (laughs) It was lovely. I feel like it gives such a good background
0: on who you are and where you came from, which is. I think in this conversation we're having about sort of necessary. like trauma informed spirituality and sort of myth busting some of these common beliefs in the spiritual community at large is that's important
1: to know. Totally. Exactly. Thank you so much. Appreciate. Yeah. It. So we touched
0: on a little bit in your bio, some things on your journey, but tell me a little bit more. How did you get started specifically in trauma informed yoga <laughs> and tarot and some of your other offerings?
1: sure so originally um in in college i technically studied social work my sociology part of my degree should be technically social work um but my college didn't offer a minor um, and they messed up something in my schedule so essentially i'm just missing like a semester of a unpaid internship and that's the only reason i don't have my social work license and i just am stubborn and haven't gone back to finish it so um that is where my desire to use trauma sensitive stuff came from was my social work background and working in different um nonprofits and mentoring things like that and i Uh, Actually, my grandma, my paternal grandma is a yoga instructor, and she has been for, she's in her 80s now, and she's been instructing for almost 50 years, so she's still teaching classes, so I kind of learned from her and kind of was like, let's combine forces, and when I was still Christian, I wanted to use it to help people recover from um, trigger warning sexual trauma, so I I had a lot of things that had helped me heal from and centering myself. And um, I wanted to be able to bring that healing to other people. So that was kind of originally how I got into the yoga specifically. And then years later, when I started changing my belief system is when I said, okay, so around 2019 um, is when I was like, how can I bring my background and my work? How can I use it in a way that's ethical, but still helpful in a mentoring spiritual way? because I wasn't a youth pastor anymore I didn't want to go to seminary anymore but I had this yoga certification I had this social work background um, I had these mystic tools that I had been taught um, and brought uh, brought up with from my paternal grandma and then uh, also self-taught myself you know so um, that's how I came to be familiar with these practices and use them and ultimately try to teach other people.
0: Yeah, so cool. I love one of the things that I love sort of about the spiritual community in general is when people's hearts are in the right places that wanting to help people in the best way that they can. So I love that you brought your former background into it and like braided it into your new services and offerings and spirituality. Deconstructing your past religion Mm. what and sort of moving into sort of like esoteric practices in terms of like tarot and different types of spirituality what did that feel like for you
1: it's felt like a lot of different things at different points I think at the beginning it felt really scary but mostly really freeing but then I also had a lot of really like weird terrifying spiritual experiences during COVID Mm. and I don't like this would definitely be the podcast that I would That I would be honest about it on but like I had some very uh very weird experiences that led to my awakening and when I started using um esoteric practices that made me a believer so yeah so I'd say it felt freeing but then also terrifying obviously right and excruciating at times because Uh, there, most people don't understand, you know, I lost most of my community, and I, you know, moved away from where I was living, it was, that had been my chosen family, so I think a lot of people, I think what people don't get about recovering from cult-like environments, or church environment, or even just high-strung church environments, is that they prey on people a lot of the time who don't have great home lives or have great families. So that's what makes it so hard a lot of the time to leave. Now, it might not mean like they have the worst family in the world, but maybe they don't have like emotionally supportive parents or, you know, whatever it may be, um, it does have this way a lot of, not just churches, a lot of spiritual communities, sometimes when they're not trauma informed, can have this manipulative, emotional, codependent tactic. So when you are being released from that, and you don't realize that's what you're being released from, it feels pretty excruciating. I think a lot of people experiencing that probably don't have the verbiage while they're going through it. And to them, I hope they find it because it's hard when you don't know what's going on. Once you're able to identify, oh, I've been in this toxic situation for a while, over time, it becomes happiness that you get to make your own choices. And you get to say, okay, well, I might have my, I might have made space from these people. I don't have to harbor hate, and I don't, but we just are going on different paths now, and that's okay. And then you get to say, I wonder who I'm going to meet on this new path, because there's always going to be somebody. We're not meant to be alone as humans. You know, we're, I don't think we're created to, we're not created to be alone. We're not even made for it. That's why our nervous system's get dysregulated you know that's why we have attachment styles so we need other people and i think that's the most important thing for people who are going through spiritual awakenings or deconstruction is to find the people that make your nervous system feel safe I love that. I and mean, I love
0: what you said about sort of that excitement of like, okay, who am I? Who's next to meet? Who will I meet that will support me and build this community? I That's just such a great sentiment. So thank you so much for sharing that. What are some things that you do differently in your services that are specifically trauma informed?
1: So what, this is kind of something I was, um, I was looking into so i'm going to give my brief explanation and then i'm going to give actually the CDC's specific six tenants of what something means to be trauma informed because I was like well. I don't know what the world standard is for that, because I know what I was taught and what my certification taught me but it's also very specific right like social work plus the trauma informed yoga is very specific so for me being trauma informed is about language it's about consent and it's about awareness so those are the three main words to pay attention to so awareness and now I'm forgetting the very first word they said language so language trauma informed language means that we are especially in yoga specifically we try to avoid words like pose or position now it's hard sometimes to resist that but We try to use language that emphasizes consent, asks questions rather than saying you have to do this. And uh, also in in in-person classes for yoga, it means that you are asking permission before you ever put your hands on somebody's body. Um, Because a lot of the time, uh, a lot of yoga instructors don't realize that you need to ask permission before doing adjustments. And uh, they could be recreating trauma for their students that they're trying to help through their trauma. And their intention isn't bad, their intention is good so we want to remedy that right so knowing that uh knowing that for context and that brings us to the awareness part right so just being aware that everybody Has had trauma in their life or knows somebody who has trauma. If you're lucky enough to get through life without some kind of trauma, I'm not really sure. I'm really not sure. Somebody's like, when you're a little kid, you have like traumatic things happen with little kids because little kids are mean to each other. Mm. I mean, everybody's had something, right? So, awareness that everybody who walks into your space into your class if you're a yoga instructor, but into your space just as a person, has probably experienced some kind of trauma at some point in their life. And knowing that, how should you speak? So awareness, so language and then awareness. And then safety is number one, trustworthiness and transparency, number two. Three is peer support. Four is collaboration and mutuality. Five is empowerment, voice and choice. And six is cultural, historical, and gender issues so that's kind of what i was trying to sum it down to with my definition like those six things i think you can put under the umbrellas of the things i was talking about because awareness includes cultural it includes being aware that everybody has trauma so being trauma informed really just comes down to yeah that awareness and just making sure that your actions are in alignment with. Consent. Yeah, so consent because you cannot have anything be trauma informed without consent. So I see a lot of things flying there on the internet. I'm very choosy about what spiritual people I follow because I do not like people who, not, not I do not like people, I do not like accounts that are not aware you shouldn't force your some of your energetic stuff on people so i understand if you want to do like online timeline feed cleansings and things like that a lot of the ones that i follow have like consent tag on it. So they're like keep scrolling if you don't want to receive this or like something like that. So it's like it's still doable. It's not like you shouldn't do it. Do it in a way that gives people a choice of whether or not they want to participate. Uh, Because it's really not fair to say this reading is for you and then give somebody anxiety thinking that you know whatever because a lot of people who are looking for truth especially in the deconstruction community right now that might be open to these kind of practices they might be susceptible to being pulled into things that are very good at marketing or very manipulative and so if you are somebody who doesn't want to be manipulative and wants to be more trauma informed with your marketing with your tarot readings with your yoga with whatever it is coming from a stance of consent is gonna make you like 99% more trauma-informed automatically. Like it will just come naturally if you just come from that perspective. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I noticed so for anybody listening, Logan gave me a tarot reading before we started recording, which was awesome because I got to learn her style and her, you know, get to sort of experience a trauma-informed tarot reading. And something that I definitely noticed with that reading was that you mentioned like, you know, the nervous system, you sort of like tied in all of these things to inform on on the body's trauma, but also like you pulled the first card and you're like, what do you think? what do you think this means? Like, do you know anything about this? Which way feels better to you? And like, I feel like that is a huge, that was consent all the way, right? Like what feels good to you? Yes or no? Are you okay with closing your eyes right now? And you made sure to get a verbal consent from me, not just me being like, leaning back Mm -hmm. and closing my eyes. You were like, is that okay? And I was like, yeah. So yeah, I just, I thought it was it was really cool to experience that in in real time, and definitely I'm taking some really good trauma informed pointers away from you know for myself within. That's awesome. My own that makes brain, me so. really. I'm
1: like tearing up. I'm like that makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am too. I feel very emotional. Like Aww. I guess it felt really good. Yeah, it felt really good so great. Me, well, like, I
1: think yeah. For me, it's like I think the reason I don't know about you, but the reason I feel so emotional about it is because the reason why consent and asking those questions is important is because that's part of empowerment empowerment is not about is not about taking from somebody else and it's also not about giving your energy to somebody else it's about knowing you already have it here and yeah so i feel like when you've had your consent taken away from you at any point having somebody ask you what do you think or ask them how do you feel about this that is a physical way of giving it back to them, of giving their power back to them when it's been taken away. So I think that's part of what makes it feel so good too.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Giving power back to people. So, so good.
1: Yeah. Speaking of consent, what do you
0: think about, I know my opinion on this, but (laughs) Or let's hop into like some spiritual community stuff. Let's do some myth busting or just like talk about some stuff that we kind of don't sit yeah. right with us. My first thing, this wasn't going to be my first thing, but I'm going to mention it because we're talking about consent. Yeah. I, in the manifesting mm. type of thing, I really do not think that you should be manifesting a specific person no. into your life. I just feel like it takes their consent completely away. Like imagine if you were dating somebody or you mm. married somebody or this person was your best friend and they were like I manifested you for months I would be I would not be happy I no. would be very unhappy
1: now if they meant it in the way like I was manifesting a person and you came along right that's different right because yes. like, I think like it's okay to be honest about your spiritual practices if you'd like to be you don't want to be manipulative about yeah i wanted to create this opportunity for myself you know but yes i don't i have never i have never been an advocate for for doing anything any kind of spell work any kind of manifestation any kind of prayer work whatever it is you want to call it that takes away other people's consent which is so funny because when you think about it like i remember being a christian you know and praying for things that like might not have necessarily been for me and so i think like taking that concept and flipping it into the manifesting it's really not that different um Mm -hmm. but then you put it in the lens of consent and it's like what if that person doesn't want you why do you want somebody who doesn't want you baby yeah I agree I agree (laughs) I really
0: feel like yeah manifest a person you can say like I want to manifest a person who's loving and loves me and loves this and that or like but not like I am manifesting Johnny down first name last name yeah like Johnny down
1: the block with a wife (laughs) right Um, yes Um, That's not your twin flame, baby. I know, I know it can be weird. Like I have not been perfect in my younger year's journey, you know, don't get me wrong. My dark feminine took some dark turns at some points, but I learned, you know, that you need to make sure that you are not hurting other people in pursuit of, of that self-actualization and that empowerment. Being empowered does not mean you get to hurt other people a free pass. And I think... I think sometimes that's kind of the vibe I'm getting lately from Mm. the dark feminine, but maybe that'll be something we talk about with one of your questions.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of beliefs in the spiritual community that don't like feel right in terms of acknowledging human trauma. Mm. One of the things that you and I got started talking about on Instagram messages was Mm. this idea of like soul groups or soul families, Mm -hmm. you know, reincarnating together, however you want to call it and how, You choose your family before you get here. Mm. So let's unpack that. What are your thoughts on that general belief?
1: So here's the thing. Automatically, my mind goes to my trauma within the church because it reminds me of Calvinism. And if you've never heard of Calvinism, have you? I've heard the name, but I I couldn't define it. Okay. So uh, Calvinism is basically Christian fatalism, right? And they they have these tenets called TULIP. And I'm going to tell you what it stands for. Okay. So it stands for total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. And what all of those things mean, this is what I grew up learning. Total depravity means we're all sinful. We all suck ass essentially. Like you're bad. You are made of bad things. You're bad. Unconditional election means God already knew who he was going to save before anybody was ever born. So he knows who's going to hell. He knows who's going to heaven. Limited atonement. Yes. Limited <laughs> atonement. I know. Limited atonement. I actually never quite understood this one very well because it didn't really make sense to me with the unconditional election atonement means being saved from your sins so limited atonement means like you're only saved from some of them
0: right or like you can only be saved so much maybe
1: yeah I'm not really sure I'm sorry I'm not gonna be able to explain that one too well irresistible grace was basically like you can't if he chose you to be saved you can't resist it so it's like you don't get to choose your life essentially and then perseverance of the saints was that whoever was chosen would persevere so essentially it was be able being able to say that anybody who fell away was never chosen to begin with they were meant to fall away they were meant to go to hell and anybody who perseveres was meant to persevere and was meant to go to heaven so it's basically a roundabout way of just confirming their own beliefs in a very circular interesting way and that to me is what it sounds like that is what i hear when i hear soul families when i hear you chose your Family before you die. Do you that people who had people who had toxic families did not write these rules? Because, yeah, (laughs) yes, never in my GD life would my soul, in my opinion, choose the families that I have had that I was forced to be in. I can respect that someone might find comfort in that because I have had some survivors, few but I've had, you know, one or two for survivors tell me that that perspective was helpful for them. And you know what, that that's their, that's their perspective. If that helps them, in my opinion, that is a form of dissociation because you're not actually acknowledging that somebody did something wrong and it, it hurt. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I feel like it's, it seems so
0: like one predetermined and, um, It just, it feels sort of like it places blame on, and okay, I'll start here. I'll start with this. You're totally fine. It feels very good, yes, if you have grown up in a family that you love or like that has never inflicted like huge trauma on you and like stuff like that. And I think it's like, oh, you know, when I was really getting into like sort of having my spiritual awakening, listening to podcasts, looking Mm -hmm. at social media, like learning all this, I did think like, yeah, like that's all well and good but like, there are really evil people on this earth who do really evil fucking things. And mm-hmm. it felt like it just, it never acknowledged those people. Like it only acknowledged happy relationships and like all this stuff. And I'm like, where mm-hmm. is the acknowledgement of human evil and trauma that happens to people on mm-hmm. this earth? Like, it just kind of feels like it, it almost ignores that. And that's when I had a problem. I was like, where do these people who inflict fucking pain
1: on others fit into this there is an area airy... lack of accountability yes there's a lack of accountability in that and it becomes a victim blaming and it becomes a cesspool and and just really a recipe for gaslighting and victim blaming um and I think we really need to be aware of this as a spiritual community like uh, I also have heard the term victim mindset used a lot by a lot of spiritual leaders and if you're listening to this and you're a special leader, stop, <laughs> stop yeah. saying that because the reason why people are stuck in a victim mindset is because they were a victim. So shaming them for that is not going to be fucking helpful.
0: Yeah. It's not very uplifting at all. It's no, kind of just being not. like,
1: ignore the shit that
0: happened to you and move on, like Correct. stop feeling that way. And it's like that, that when has anybody ever said to you, stop feeling that way. And you've just been like, okay, great. I'm, I'm done
1: feeling that way. Like that doesn't, it doesn't Correct. happen. Correct. And and sometimes people try to defend it like, oh, but you know, if you get stuck in a blah, 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 I'm like, there's actually a term for the specific thing that happens and it's called learned helplessness, which is a trauma response. And even then you shouldn't be shaming it. So it really, it's really not, you're not helping your case. You know? Yeah. So and- victim blaming and stuff.
0: Absolutely. And I just also I don't think I don't know. It just seems it's just not part of my worldview right now that you would choose every single thing that happens to no. you and then when you're down here have to be like, Okay, well I chose that. Like that just
1: feel it's the same as we just talked about, like mm-hmm. victim blamey. Like it feels very much
0: I don't know. I just I can't I can't I can't it's get dissociative
1: with it, but... for the person experiencing it and it is dismissive of accountability for the people who did things wrong yeah and neither of those things are good (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely you know dissociating is a trauma response and we as spiritual beings are trying to learn how to be more in our bodies you know we're trying to learn how to be here and capitalism wants us to be out here all the time it wants our brain to be so thinking about so much I'm an anti-capitalist sorry that's okay same (laughs) it is I figured most mystics are that's how we ended up here in the woods of spirituality (laughs) yep yep uh yeah it's um they want your brain and stuff to be out here but we are trying to bring it back to center yeah
0: Yeah, totally So what are your thoughts then? Like, if we're kind of saying like, yeah, this really doesn't sit right with us. Like what, what do you think, what are your thoughts on sort of past lives? What what are your, what are some of your spiritual thoughts that make, that make you feel good about what's going on with you?
1: I think I just have a really fun time learning all the time. So I have a fun time making my own path. I don't, Adhere to any one religion, because I find so much truth in so many different ones, hence the mystic title, you know, and I think that there can be a lot of healing found in healing your relationship with your birth religion, if that's something that damaged you, whatever it is, if you can find, even if it's not the same as it was before, it can be healing to not have to look at it in a way that is painful anymore and to see truths in it that maybe you didn't see before so all that to say that past lives I never used to believe in but some of the weird stuff that started happening to me when I had my spiritual awakening is I did I would wake up from three to five a.m. every single morning for six months straight and I would just get downloads and visions and weird things and then I would look them up the next day and it would be like uh, the news discovered something in Egypt that I dreamt about or that I had a vision about and then it would be like um, I would look up some kind of fact that popped into my head that I had no reason to know and I would like google it and it would be like true or something like about like the goddess Isis was one of the first things I started looking into. Um, I know one of your questions talks about resources and I'll talk about all of the books that I've read to counter all of that knowledge that I just somehow I don't want to say discovered in my brain, but you know, that it's yeah, it's kind of what happened. So, so I don't know. um Did you have any more specific questions about, because I could talk a lot about my spiritual beliefs because there ain't, there ain't no specific tenants. I'm very. Yeah, no, I think like one of the things that I have started
0: getting really comfortable with is just being like, I don't know yet. Or like, yep. maybe I'll never know. And yep. I think one of the things that, especially when you come out of an organized religion, like mm-hmm. your organized religion tells you exactly how everything works. Yep. You know, and so I think like as humans, we're generally curious and we want to know how things work in general. But I think one of the reasons people like to be within organized religion is because it gives you a concrete like you think, you know, kind of. And so, yeah, I think I'm like I'm just becoming really comfortable with just being like, I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't know. Like and I I don't know. I just I think it's we got to be okay with that, you know. Yeah.
1: I think i I think i would i I think I would uh tend to agree with you one hundred percent because the the main tenet of my religion as cheesy as it sounds really is just love um but it's not like um it's not like a love that lets you get trodden all over it's it's a love that holds people accountable that holds boundaries that you know is willing to look within at my own flaws and weaknesses so love is not love is not blind <laughs> <You know? laughs> love pays attention yeah so love is as Dua Lipa says love is my religion I love that uh, that, that song actually makes me teary-eyed Sometimes, like this is a pop song I don't care I love this song because absolutely I really, I really do feel this way and I love her for writing that song pop can bring the power I totally agree. I use pop even when I was Christian I used to use pop music as worship time for me because it is so I don't know there are some songs that I really do feel like artists meant to be spiritual and people sometimes just don't listen Oh yeah, like God is a God as a woman. Come on, spiritual like that is a political statement. Absolutely, it's a political statement that that woman made, and everybody just went, "Oh, this is just a pop song," right? Yeah, (laughs) because she's pretty and skinny and knows how to sing. They did right, and like I feel like that got really mixed in with like sex too. Which there's
0: nothing wrong with that, but yeah, I do think there was kind of like a bigger bigger moment going on there for sure it
1: it was i mean she knows what sells and she knows what's going to get the message out there because she's a smart businesswoman but anyways so i think something that happens in the spiritual community a
0: lot is this sort of like want or need to elevate yourself and live above all like Mm. human suffering in the world Mm. and sort of maybe like turn a blind eye to it and only look and work inwardly on yourself what are your
1: thoughts on that and, and how can we uh, maybe do both a little bit better? So I think that as somebody who tends to isolate as a trauma response, this is really like this is something I've thought about a lot because I know how important like I'm one of those people who gives very good advice. But in some in some aspects, I do struggle to. take it myself. I
0: hear (laughs) you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And I know like people are so scared to admit that like everybody's scared to take everybody struggles to take their own advice. Humble yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I think that with what I said before about, you know, like it can be really tempting in our culture, not even just as a trauma response, but in our culture, a trauma response to our culture of the um, bootstrap culture um it's called the sociological term is called rugged individualism and america is seething with it so Mm. it doesn't matter what religion you're part of you are probably a victim of rugged individualism and i think that is that's what's happening in the spiritual community a lot of the time uh, especially unfortunately with new age spirituality and a lot of this modern religion that we are creating together which is a really beautiful thing Um, We are still appropriating a lot of stuff. And so they will, you know, take these things and use them, not and then give them these Western lenses. And then they're Mm -hmm. not even doing what they were meant to do in the first place because that wasn't how the practice was meant to be used to begin with. Or, you know, it was meant to be used in more than just this one isolated way. I think something that I witnessed in other cultures, I spent about two months in Egypt during my missionary time. And one of the things that we saw there, um, and really I experienced with middle, like, cause I had Middle Eastern friends, even like uh, families throughout college too, that I was close with. And something I learned about, like at least the uh, Islamic culture, um, in my experience in those places was how community oriented they were, how much healing happens in community. We lived in this place called Garbage City, where we literally lived in the bottom of a, of a mountain in, in it was filled with garbage. The, the name was it's in Cairo. There's actually a documentary about it, if you don't believe me. But yeah, so they they there had this uh, funeral going through one day and they had um, criers like professional funeral criers. So they were like wailing throughout the city, and I'd only ever read about that in the Bible, actually. So um, some cultures still do these things where they get together and they're wailing together as a community over this soul that's passed. And I know that's kind of um that's more of a grief example, but the the but that grief is spiritual, you know. So a lot of us are going to be experiencing healing from grief in the coming years, uh, you know, and probably a majority of us have something to grieve in the coming years or to heal in in the grief area. And that's a very spiritual process. You cannot healing is spiritual, whether people like it or not, you know, whether you want to attach a deity to it, healing is a spiritual practice and we're doing it all the time. So while there are some things that we are always going to be responsible for in ourselves, like I am responsible for my reaction. I am responsible for how I respond to life's events. I'm, you know, responsible for my own joy and creating my own joy and things like that. I'm not responsible to completely heal, heal myself alone. I'm not, I'm not required to never ask for help. I'm not required to sit alone in my grief. In Um, lie about how I'm doing and are unfortunately I think some of the toxic positivity is pushing people into those isolation because they think they have to be perfect before they can present themselves to a community and I think that's really dangerous because that's the exact that's like what the church did with holiness Mm, and now we're doing it with manifestation and positive vibes it's really literally the same thing so, yeah, definitely. Like, I would encourage people to first of all re- remove shame from the conversation as much as you can because we're all learning, but do our best to not push away, not push away the pain, not push away community because community is really where the learning happens. That's where you learn how to communicate, you learn, you know, what people, what kind of people I enjoy, what kind of people I don't. You learn how to let things go gracefully or how to mend things that need to be mended. And so these are these are the things in life that they do not teach you in school that are literally the things that you need to know from day one. And for some yeah. reason, we don't. And I
0: think also in terms of encouraging people to do the inward work to get better or to spiritually ascend or whatever you want to call it, is like, there's a reason that, that, that you feel... Empowered or encouraged to do that and mm-hmm. improve yourself and then take it to the world to help the yeah. world. Like, don't just keep it all
1: inside and ignore everything.
0: Yes, that's going on around you in society. Like, the song, yeah.
1: do you listen to Florence and the
0: Machine by any chance?
1: I don't regularly, but I obviously know them and I know a couple of their songs. So, yeah, so I might know the one you're talking about.
0: So, there's this song called light of love it is so good I'm obsessed with it but like so it's kind of all about her like what she writes about is like I I was happier when I was like sort of numb from what I from what was going on in the world and it was so much easier to just focus on like me myself my hangover like that type of thing than to be awake and realize like how Mm -hmm. heartbreaking the world is and I feel like it's and she said like basically encourages in the song like don't do that look look at it look at it
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: I feel like that's such a good reminder to the spiritual community it's like it feels really good to like just be focused on yourself and just work on yourself and only do this stuff Mm -hmm. because it's really hard to look it is what if you're not going to
1: look like, what is the point of being here? Almost, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a balance, right. I think so. It is. And I think yeah. that brings me to the concept of like mutual aid is spiritual. You know, if you are somebody, um, I'm going to be very frank. I experienced all I, I don't know that I would call it. I mean, it is homelessness, but it was almost homelessness, you know, in my life several times and have lived in some very dire situations before getting on my feet again and um in those times what i needed was not a prayer i did not need somebody to say a positive vibe i'm sending you positive vibes i didn't need somebody to send me a TikTok of somebody cleansing me with incense what i needed was somewhere to stay mm-hmm. what i needed was community to help me get to a place where I wasn't in danger, and I needed a support. And so I think those are the things that are hard for people to look at. They want to send their words and their words of encouragement. And I understand, you know, a lot of us are not in the position to like outright put somebody in a better position and that's not what i'm suggesting but what i am suggesting is that we need to do a goddamn fucking better job of supporting each other as human beings because yeah. yeah the 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 government is not going to do it the other countries are not going to do it there's nobody coming to save us we have to save each other and if we do not realize that, if we do not act upon that, then your spiritual practice is going to fall empty and short. Yes.
0: Goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much, so much great stuff in this conversation so far. Are there any other regularly used techniques or practices or beliefs in the spiritual community at large in general <laughs> that you would like to dispel? Yes.
1: Yes. The idea of Divine Masculine and Divine Feminine in the way that it's being sent around lately. Okay. Um, and also just a caution for people to watch the things that they are appropriating. You know, and I've misstepped in these ways too, because I don't know everything. And I'm also learning myself, like decolonizing myself. Um, so those are two things. But with the Divine Masculine and the d- the Divine Feminine specifically, I think with our knowledge of of gender and sexuality that's something i studied when i was getting continuing education for social work when i was a social worker so i have been to several um transgender like awareness conferences and like sexuality like um education conferences because i was a sexual violence prevention educator so i had to learn a lot about those kinds of things and you learn scientifically there is really no such thing as biological gender, obviously, because that's a social construct, there also really isn't a such a thing as a biological uh, binary sex. There's really no such thing as just two biological sexes and that's something for a long time people have been clinging to, but that actually isn't true because there are as many intersex people as there are redheads in the world. So like percentage wise, that is a fact. I promise you, you can look it up. (laughs) Um, And so knowing that there are as many, you know, intersex people as there are people with red hair kind of puts it into perspective for you, you know, that it is a spectrum that we've created boxes. And so knowing that that's why sometimes when I talk about masculine and feminine energy, I even say hard feminine or soft feminine or Mm -hmm. hard masculine or soft. Masculine, because there are those versions of both I think that when you people look to nature, if you would look to nature, you would see how many variations, there are and indigenous cultures all over the world were fluid, you know. Where Christianity stuffed it out. And the reason I believe that is, is because when you are living in a spiritual way that accepts everyone and allows for community, that's powerful, that's powerful, that's very different than the way we are currently living, because who would then be in charge if we lived that way, if we actually Mm -hmm. liked each other. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are you seeing? I don't see a lot of um, like divine feminine ma- and masculine content myself mm-hmm. on my discover or like on my feed. So what, what are some things that people should kind of be like
1: mm-hmm. looking out for? Now I know, cause I've been through this phase and I'm trying to get out of it. There are certain things that still make me angry. Now, I'm, so I'm not encouraging anybody to be a keyboard warrior because I've tried to step out of that phase myself. However, just for your own safety and just for your own yellow flags to look for, basically anything that is posing something as a fact saying like this is this way all the time and this is this way all the time um that's Mm -hmm. always a flag for me if somebody isn't open to another perspective or if they are saying it in a way if they're saying something sexist in a flowery way Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. just like learn to look i think that's a good theme for this podcast is learn to look because you can pay attention for example something i disliked on somebody that i actually used to like a lot i'm just trying to think of like a very specific example without calling anybody out because everybody's just trying to do their thing you know but for example the very stereotypical soft feminine I have to receive and in order to get the man that is meant for me I have to be in this receiving energy and he mm. has to take charge and I need to be soft and he needs to be this like warrior and it's like that is literally patriarchy <laughs> you are you are perpetuating that sweet pea so I mean if that is who you want to be if that is who you are that is But do not push that on people who are not that way and then tell them that they're not going to find somebody or that they need to be more of or less of. Um, And that's where it becomes problematic. Not when you are stating, this is what I think, this is what I wanna be. When you're stating, you must do this in order to reach this spiritual hierarchy that I created and I'm now imposing upon you without your permission or consent. Yeah. And I also think in the age of like social media, Instagram reels, TikTok, Mm -hmm.
0: people are very much encouraged for growth reasons to niche down really hard. And true. I think when you niche down super hard, mm-hmm. you kind of get caught in some yeah. rigidity. That's that, true.
1: You know, I don't know. It's that's my opinion. But no, yeah, I think that's a really, a really good bit. point. For sure. And yeah, I would say that that's very easy to get caught in that rigidity because you're trying to make a point in a very short amount of time. so i can definitely understand that and that's why it's so good to be trauma informed and know what kind of language you're putting forth because my concern with pushing that narrative is that you are creating the possibility for more victims to be made because there have been situations where i've seen advice about you know like masculines doing this and divine feminines doing this and it's literally just them encouraging allowing women to be abused and it's like kind of that same like um i don't know if you've heard of it but like gothard family values like church values mm-hmm. which are essentially you know like man uh, woman submits to the man type of thing but literally just new age language so that's my that's my concern look at the language look what they're saying hold a mirror to it how does it make you feel do you feel empowered by this or do you stop and you're like that feels a little bit limiting to me Yeah. Discernment for sure. Asking questions is always good.
0: Yes. So what can other practitioners do to become more
1: trauma-informed in their practices? And do you have any resources to share for that? Yeah. So this was one of the questions I was excited about. So there are tons of things you can do to do trauma-informed. Honestly, with it's getting in popularity. In 2017, when I got my certification, it was really just starting to become more popular it had been around for about 10 years at that point or maybe since the 90s or so because originally trauma-informed yoga was created to help um, vets and um, sex trafficking victims suffering from ptsd so um, that's originally why trauma-informed yoga specifically was created and so you can be actually be a yoga therapist and things like that but for practitioners of any kind a way that i recommend you being trauma-informed is Literally, you can Google trauma informed um, tips, research, just research, learn for yourself. How do I be more trauma informed, you know, but as regards to the podcast and sharing, we need to create an awareness that everybody has trauma that comes into your space. I can't remember if I said this when you and me were talking or when we were recording, I think. just when you were talking to me earlier but yeah we need to create this awareness that everybody has trauma that's walking into your space and with that awareness we can adjust our language and our actions and not speaking in a way that forces people to do things they're not consenting to so language awareness and consent are three umbrellas that you can try to put your work underneath and run it through a scan to see, am I being trauma informed right now? I did read this earlier, but I just think it's important because I didn't even know it existed. And I'm probably going to make a post about it by the time. (laughs) I don't know when this is going to go up, but I'll probably put this post up soon. But it's about the actually the CDC's um, guiding principles to a trauma informed approach. And I thought that would be really good because it's just like kind of the overarching for everybody's goal if you want to be more trauma informed and it's public information and there's a PDF for it. So guiding principles to trauma informed approach according to the CDC is number one safety so making sure that you are creating an environment of safety, whether that's an online environment or a physical environment. Or an emotional environment. Um, number two, trustworthiness and transparency. That's pretty self explanatory. Um, number three, peer support. So, we talked about like community, right? People you trust. Number four, collaboration and mutuality. So, that's just kind of a buildup of community. That's you create the community, you support each other, and then you work together. So, is what I'm doing collaborative? Is what I'm doing creating competition or collaboration? is a good way to look at it for five empowerment voice and choice so that's bringing in that consent piece right so when you give somebody consent you are empowering them you're giving them power you're giving them the power back and that is that is wonderful for people who have experienced trauma which is who Everybody. (laughs) So (laughs) number six, the final one, cultural, historical, and gender issues. And that's where the awareness piece comes in that I talked about. So being aware that there are different cultures that you're dealing with. There are different traumas you are dealing with. And also I would stick in the not appropriating indigenous cultures in that as well, because that is required for you to be trauma-informed. If you are not decolonizing your practice, you are not being trauma-informed and you can hate me. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> love that yeah i agree so i know it's hard medicine but sometimes i'll give you a spoonful of sugar too okay it's all right you can take yeah, it absolutely <laughs> not you just generally, just in general yeah 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 <laughs> and it's, yeah it's, i love that i know it's hard because like I think that word, I don't know if anybody's actually against that word or not. I haven't come across anybody who's super opposed to it at this point, but I'm sure at some point, because think about, think about what colonization is. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but colonization itself is traumatizing to everyone involved. Right. So in order to be trauma-informed, we have to address.
0: Yeah. And it can feel big, but like if you never start, Mm -hmm. it's never going to happen. So just got to start. So Yeah. Totally agree. Why do you think it's important to do this work in a trauma informed way? I think this is sort of this question has sort of been answered throughout. uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. no, I think it's good to verbalize it, though, because it's like, okay, well, she's telling me all this stuff about trauma informed, but why should I care? You know, and I guess it's true. We have talked about why you should care is because everybody has trauma. You know, Um, that's the biggest reason is because everybody has trauma. And if you want to be if you want to be a better person, if you wanna be a more collaborative being, if you wanna be a part of creating a new culture, of being of being a light bearer or a way bearer to a new world, dare I say, then you have to do new things. And new things are not always easy. In fact, they are almost always difficult. So
0: good answer. All right, last question here. What can someone who's listening right now do in their daily life or right now to open their door up to their natural intuitive abilities?
1: I think this goes back to what we were even talking about in our reading a little bit or in between kind of in my rantings, which is coming back to center. And when you are able to create a practice which looks different for everybody, and that's what's so beautiful, you know, everybody is different. So everybody needs different things in their practices. Um, When you create a practice that helps you regulate your nervous system and recognize what your body feels like when it feels safe and secure um, and calm and in a homeostasis that is not toxic, a positive homeostasis, when you become familiar with that, then that is where you recognize your true voice the most, right? Because we're not listening to a voice of fear are listening to a voice of peace. We're listening to a voice of logic, of not just logic, but also heart. So it's a way to bring the, the upper chakras and the lower chakras together and they meet here. And that is where the intuition is, is when the upper and lower chakras come together and they meet in your heart. You know what I learned the other day that's really interesting? I didn't know this. This is relevant, I promise. Because <laughs> I, I was thinking about chakras and about your intuition and opening up your abilities. Did you know that your heart, I don't know if it's like deep in the center or something of the tissue or the muscle or whatever, contains similar intelligent cells, the same type of intelligent cells. It's a small amount, it's a small clump as your brain. I did not know that. They, this is. I don't know if this is a recent discovery or if they're just not talking about it, might want to Google it to make sure it's true, but I did read that, that they do have the same intelligent cells somewhere in your heart as it is here, which would make a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Because people literally die from heartbreak and people die from brain failure people. And, and I think people talk about like the soul and then just like a lot of science backs up a lot of things like chakra work and power centers and, Um, your intuition and things like that. So just knowing that your heart is intelligent and when your heart is calm is when you can hear that intelligence the most. That's great. So
0: where can listeners find you if they wanna follow you on Instagram, maybe grab a reading from you, where can they find you? Uh,
1: So uh, my Instagram is at The Empowered Mystic. So, And then I also do have a podcast, which there's only three meditations on there right now I would like to add more but I do have free musical meditations on my podcast it's titled the same the empowered mystic I try to make everything the same and easy to find. Um, And I do have resources that was something I forgot to mention earlier, so um, I can give you the link tree for it afterwards or yeah. My, I'll switch my bio to be my link tree link for a while, but I have mental health resources in there and another way that you can be trauma informed for real is to get a free mental health uh, first aid certification and um, i'm actually certified in that I got it a couple months ago. And that's one thing I wanted to add to my practice was that and it's free, they have it in most states, you just have to Google a mental health first aid and figure out when the next training is and sign up for it. You just read the materials beforehand it's like either a three to six hour seminar with some breaks in between, so it is rather long it's literally like a first aid training, but for your mental health and that's a really great resource and I have a link for it in my link tree so. I perfect. Would. Yeah. And we can link it in the show notes too. for Okay. People perfect. Wanna, yeah, yeah. Cause cool. I have books and stuff too. Like the body keeps the score is something you can read as a person recovering from trauma or wanting to be more trauma informed for practitioners, social workers, counselors, you can read trauma stewardship. That's what it's called. And trauma stewardship is actually by the same author who wrote the body keeps the score. Cool. So if you're familiar with that, you can read that. Also, it didn't start with you. That's another good book too.
0: Ooh. Okay. Sounds mm-hmm. good. So we'll link all those resources as well. And Logan, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for being here and sharing your thoughts and having this discussion with me.
1: Very welcome. It was very easy to talk to you. I could probably talk for a lot longer, but I was really excited to be here and thank you for hearing me and um, and doing what you do. Thanks for listening to today's episode.
0: If you love the podcast and listen on Apple, please be sure to rate and leave a review. If you want more from Opening the Door, follow along on Instagram at opening the Door Podcast. Have a question about psychic work or psychic development? Email openingthedoorpodcast at gmail.com, and you might have your question included in one of our future Q&A episodes.